Hey everybody, welcome to We Hate People, the podcast that stops you singing We Built This City in Your Car at the top of your lungs while you commute to work. <laughs> <laughs> A little silence. This is episode two, recorded Tuesday, March 17, 2015, and is brought to you by Audible. Choose from over 100,000 titles. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kidding. We, we, we've got... It's, it's, it's just, just us and, and you, dear listener. Now, I have good news and bad news, and as it's traditional to give bad news first, let me introduce my co-host, a man who is living proof that marriage is the original version of autocorrect, David Holloway. <laughs> oh, you're making my night tonight. It's, it's so late that I'm starting to actually feel awake again, thanks to you. Good, good to that's, be here, Simon. That, that, well, that's, that's, I'm glad that's good news for one of us anyway. Yeah. Fain interest. Oh, sorry, I just read out a stage direction. Um, and time for some good news. Our guest host, the Dark Lord of the Twitch, and I instantly regret saying that out loud. Redner, how are you, sir? I'm doing very well. How are you? Uh, uh, I am well. Thank you for asking. Well, we... <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, let's move on to, well... Something. You, David, did you want to tell us about the iTunes reviews? Yeah, so sorry. Um, so, yeah, welcome um, to our wonderful guest co-host. So it's, I think we're both in agreement, Simon, that it would be good to have a third person to make us a little bit more um, erudite than what we actually are. Yes, and maybe to someone to throw a grenade in periodically. Even better. Yes. Um, so, yeah, just wanted to say a big thanks to um, those of you that listened to episode one and even episode zero, um, but particular shout-outs to two iTunes reviewers last week, Big Pete 009 and Jay Connell. Um, and I quite rightly got picked up, I'm now thinking it was, a, I think it was Jay, um, for using talking about um, beaters rather than baiters. And I love the American versus the English um, UK English. So um, it's one of the most common things in podcasts, people arguing over beta versus beta. Red, Red, how do but, you say it? I'm assuming beta. I say beta, yeah. But then again, you could always make the argument that there's a beta fish and beta is for c computers. Beta mm. fish, oh, yeah. Yes, beta could be another, another term for a troll. There you go. Thank you. So, <laughs> if, if you say so. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, thank you, Big Pete and Jay Connell, for your very kind reviews. I won't read them out, but they're both very much appreciated and, and anyone else that wants to jump on board is also appreciated. Excellent. Yes, thanks very much for that, guys. And uh, any feedback, corrections or just general hate, please let us know. Contact at oceanicgamer.com for that. Now, we'll move on to uh, Listener Hate of the Week. David, I believe you've got a, a lovely little uh, sting to go with this. I do. Oh, you don't? No, okay. well, only my own personal issues. Great, great work. Great work, sir. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just thinking. Now, so you had me double-guessing myself thinking, shit, did I actually create a sting for that? But no, I didn't. No, no, you didn't. No, <laughs> so you're playing with my head. Yes, well, that's what it's about. I've got to do something with my spare time. So, I mean, this one came from um, uh, another good friend of the Flashpoint podcast who's jumped over uh, to this one, and that's um, David Carr, who's actually been a guest co-host with us a couple of times. Uh, and he um, 
tweeted in his pet hate. I'm assuming David's a bit of a commuter. Well, I know for a fact he's a commuter and he is on trains sometimes. Um, doesn't like the old body odour. There's something new. Oh, is that what that stands for? I saw that. I just it's just here as bow on trains. Well, so I, actually, you know, well, how would you get one of those damn staff like that through the doors in the first place? It would just be an absolute hazard. Yes. Um, well, B, bo like that actually in nursing terms is actually bowels opened, so it could actually be bowels opened on trains. I, Either I, way, it's not a very good odor, right? No, that's right. It's going to uh, stink a lot. <laughs> no, one probably Im- involves uh, a few more, few more sponges, probably. So, well, you're you're a city boy, Simon, and I don't know about you, Red. I mean, you'd experience it more than me. It's for uh, trains and body odor. Oh right. Oh yeah. This thanks. Cheers. <laughs> Phrasing. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm not a, not a big fan of it, I, I have to admit, uh, especially when a train or tram is crowded and people have got their arms up to, uh, to steady themselves, uh, you know, or gripping one of those totally ineffectual loops that hang down from the, the ceiling. It, it is pretty unpleasant. But I don't know, some of, what, what do you do? Some people, especially... Some younger people, one could argue, uh, don't seem to think deodorant is something they should wear. Yeah. Um, breakdown of civilization, I suspect. Well, I tend to have demarcations of body odor that I'll put up with. So if someone is young, healthy looking, and appears to have a bit of money, I'll get annoyed if they've got body odor. If you've got a person that looks like they, you know, haven't got 20 cents to rub together and are really struggling, I tend to be more forgiving of it. Or if they're an old person, you know, the odour's coming from some horrific pile of something in their undies, you go, okay, that's really unfortunate for them and I need to, to bear with it. But that might be the nursing approach. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's exactly what it is. <laughs> um, yeah, I, can't, I can't think that if I were smelling somebody's waste that I would particularly feel bad for them. I'd be very upset. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see that? yeah, it must be the nursing break because if I've got an old person and I know that they've got a load down there, I'm automatically feeling sorry for them. Well, that's, that's part of the problem. Um, old people probably shouldn't be allowed out. <laughs> and and these, days, these days there's absolutely no reason why they should go out. Uh, there's, there's the internets and online shopping and... And uh, you know, uh, on, on, online, uh, online, um, book your own funeral sort of thing. So there's really no reason why we should ever look at them. All right, oh, so you're not in favour of open casket? No, <laughs> no, not, not in favour of any casket. Put them in a box, nice cardboard box. That'd be, that's fine. That's, that's yeah, good. See, I'm not in favour of open casket either. Actually, that'd be an interesting cultural difference. I'm wondering in the US if there's more open casket funerals than down here. Because am I? Would you have had the same experience, Simon? That it's not that common to have an open casket at a funeral. Well, I know we we didn't for my father. Um, yeah, but that was uh, that's a probably a somewhat unusual um, situation, basically, because it was a, a death at home. So you know you. The way I looked at it is, I I didn't want. To, I'm sure they did a beautiful job. Yeah. With the makeup and the spray paint and the and the 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 spackle or whatever yeah. that is they use <laughs> formaldehyde and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you know, um, I, for some people, maybe they they want to be able to see them. I prefer just to remember them 
as they were not yeah. at the remains. So, well, how the hell did we get onto open? Well, cuts? I just yeah, I just thought it was an interesting interesting <laughs> point because yeah, I, I, and I just think it's more if you've had the chance to say goodbye face to face, whether it be at the funeral parlor before the funeral or at home, that yeah, why have the open casket? Um, and there's one open casket you don't want, and I promise I'll get off this topic now, is when I was a nursing student, um, I was in the medical library one night and found a book called The Pathology of Homicide. And there was a case study of a guy that had been purposely pushed into an industrial mincer by the, the perpetrator. And they had pictures of every murder victim. And in this case, the murder victim, they had this lovely silver tray and this mince on it. And that was the victim. Hmm. See? I, I, okay. And I, and I just laugh, well, I just laughed my head off at the time. It was just so surreal seeing this mince on a silver tray after this horrible story of a you know, poor man th- pushed into a mincer. It must have been a very big tray. Well, yeah, actually, I wondered that time. No, it was like a normal, you know, morning tea, afternoon tea tray. So I don't know whether they just, that was all they were able to get out and the rest went out in dog food. I don't know. Or, or maybe that was just like the best bits. <laughs> <laughs> the, the prime beef locations. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I'm off that now. I just thought people might find that interesting. It's probably probably their best side. <laughs> if you're having a photo taken, you always want your best side. Or at least their silver side. I Do you have silver side in the States, Red? I have no idea what that is. Yeah, I thought, thought yeah. as much. Yeah. I don't even know how to describe it. Uh, is it a meat? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a corned meat. It's a corn. Yeah, it's it's corned beef basically. Yeah. Okay. But you but you buy it uncooked in the supermarket, and then you take it home and you put some bay leaves in a pot of water and some salt, and then you just let it simmer for a couple of hours, and then. Slice it up up into um, sandwiches that your kids will never eat, basically. Yeah, or you have it with cabbage and uh, white sauce is a traditional serving of that. Really? Yeah. Well, when I was at you... It's disgusting. sounds like the sort of thing you get at school dinners. Well, yeah, I must admit, I'm basing this on university dorm food and they'd serve that up once a month and I'd just be disgusted. Yeah. Yep, that that sounds about right. Yes. There you go. That... well, you have to understand living in America, our, our university dorm food is more along the lines of like McDonald's and Burger King. Oh, but we all know that American universities <laughs> just like the Porky's movies only better. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, cool. <laughs> and unless, um, unless you're in uh, Ohio. <laughs> but probably the less said about that video, the better, probably. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, body odor. How do we go from body odor to mints on trays? Um, to uh, to American Union. Yeah, it was uh, because you didn't want to see old people outside, oh, and right. then we didn't want to see them in caskets. That's you right. see, that's it. I'm following this train of thought. Yeah, you're doing well. Because I keep asking myself the same question: What the hell are we talking about? <laughs> oh, you, you gotta you gotta be uh, ready to ready to take a jump and make a catch, and then. I, I have no idea. I don't know where the hell that was going. I think, I think it's probably a good a good time. Have we finished with BO on trains? We don't like it. I think yeah. it's I was just I was gonna say Captain Heartache who who will put up with it depending on who who's the emitter. But what can we do about it? So let's talk about solutions. What you can't legislate against it. 
Uh, you could. But you could. You could create employment by having armpit sniffers at each train station, but jeez. Yeah, but then you'd have to have Or you could up. do what my mom did when I was in middle school and I started going through some bodily changes and needed deodorant for the first time. She just she didn't say a thing to me. She just walked up to me and handed me a stick of deodorant. Yeah, true. Maybe you just need to start handing it out on the train. Excuse me. Yeah, good point. Just give them the deodorant. They'll know what it's for. <laughs> Unless they start sucking on it like a lollipop or something. But yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> yeah, Which well, might solve a different problem yeah, for society. It could. <laughs> can, can you chrome? Yeah, well, it'd have to be roll-on because they'd try and chrome it if it was a spray-on. True. Just thinking ahead yeah, here. Yeah, you're always altruistic like that. But I remember there was a, a, a when I, um, years ago, I worked in a, an office and there was a young woman there who obviously went to a lot of trouble doing her hair and getting that all fixed up and putting the makeup on. She didn't bother with deodorant and we had rotating seating, so... Uh, you know, we get, got to, depending on what shift and what the duty was, we sat by different people. And after a, a day or so of, of sitting next to her, I just had to turn to her and say, um, did you realise your deodorant's not quite keeping pace with you? <laughs> That's well done. And she she knew immediately what I was getting at and uh, seemed quite horrified. And I'm thinking, well, <laughs> what, what, you think your bacteria don't emit crap? What the well, yeah, that you, mascara, you, mascara doesn't doesn't absorb odor. Yeah, <laughs> even even that much of it. That was pretty. Neither diplomatic. does clothing. No, neither does clothing. That was pretty diplomatic. Like you couldn't have raised that a lot more politely than that, really. No, well, well, I didn't want to be offensive, but because um, I've been in a situation where I have a friend whose dad had some awful allergy issues I can't remember exactly what and had some uh, lung issues so none of the family could wear deodorant or in or perfume or stuff like that because it set off his lungs and that was fine until um, they got into the workforce and I was in the unfortunate situation um, of um, it was when they were student of the person supervising them as a student having to take them aside and saying, look, the people that you're you're dealing with um, don't want you dealing with them anymore because you stink. Hmm. And yeah, they they didn't do it quite as politely as you did. Well, the the thing is, you don't want to get people's backs up because if they start getting people get defensive, then they become resistant in, quite frequently. So it's it's seldom. Although it would but, be very satisfying to just say you're a stinking bastard, get the hell away from me. Well, I know in this case it didn't end well in that suddenly the next day the, the person that had raised it had been pushed into an industrial mincer. Ah. So that, it comes full circle. Comes full circle. So that was an employee of the month picture you were referring <laughs> to. That's right, the mince on the tray. <laughs> I wonder they brought their best tray with them. <laughs> Don't you, aren't you, don't, instead of saying anything, aren't you supposed to simply walk up to them and start sniffing repeatedly like, until they catch the hint? Who like, stinks? Well, then you walk away and say, I don't know what it is, but I just smelled something really foul. And then you walk by and talk to someone else on the other side after, I just got it again. I don't know where it's coming from. That's yes, but then you have to hope that they're actually paying attention and that they're moderately self-aware. I think probably my second uh, most favourite tactic would probably be just to, and 
Actually, I did do this at the last place I worked at before they made me redundant. I wonder if there's a connection. <laughs> uh, but uh, basically just um, wandered up and just sprayed the entire area down with links. Oh, nice. Which smells worse than the BO yeah. quite frankly. But, you know, you have to make, you have, you, you have to make a point. You, you, have to, you have to burn down some Vietnamese forests if you want to get your point across. <laughs> Is that a napalm reference or something? No. I was going to say, I'm furiously Googling links right now. <laughs> yeah. Lee, yeah, yeah it's, oh, you should have a, a Google for the, uh, what is it? Was it Lynx Airlines? Uh, Lynx have done some, it's a body spray and it's, uh, they've done some interesting. Oh, ads on YouTube, you mean? Mm-hmm. Mm. That's something to do after. Oh, this is like Axe. Yes, very much like Axe. Okay. Probably about this. I think it's hitting the same demographic, basically uh, young young males who have just come into puberty and certain glands have started working in various locations. Now, where are these glands? I've always wondered about that. Well, presumably under the armpit, since everything seems to be coming out of there, right? That's true. I was thinking of the gonads, but are they glands, doctor? Uh, Oh. No, they're, they're endocrine gl- Yeah, they are. The, the testicles oh, okay. are endocrine glands. Yeah, I think. Now, someone please um, you know, tweet in and correct me if I'm wrong because I probably am. But I think you're right. Well, I think we could probably wrap this one up. <laughs> Thank you, David, though, for the suggestion. It's a good one. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Ah. And um, we'll have a maybe just uh, sort of go, in, go into our uh, first and probably only episode of Did You Know, maybe. This, this may or may not be a regular segment. Let us know what you think. Did you know? Everyone's heard of Cleopatra, but did you know Cleopatra's life is closer in time to the first Pizza Hut opening than to the completion of the Great Pyramid? It's true. Cleopatra was born in 69 BC. The first Pizza Hut opened in 1958, about 2,027 years apart. But the Great Pyramid was finished around 25,060 BC almost 2,500 years before Cleopatra's birth. And now, you know. I, I can't help feeling that there should be some sort of little shooting star flying by with that, but never mind. I think that's great. <laughs> Did you know that, either of no. you? No. No. Um, that's just fascinating. See? It's- the Egyptians were around for an awfully long time. Funny thing is, uh, the Sphinx is probably even... Uh, older than that because they've uh, seem to recall that they've some of the weathering they found on the enclosure wall around that uh it's uh it's very specific to water erosion and the most significant water erosion in that area the enough water to cause that sort of erosion um probably occurred around ten thousand years ago but the uh, egyptologists don't like that piece of information because it doesn't fit with everything else out yeah, it does. So, uh, have either of you? Uh, I, I I have been lucky enough to go to the pyramids and the Sphinx. So, have either of you been? No, no, I have not okay. been on the African continent yet. So, uh, and that's the only place I've been on the African continent. But I've got to say, it is well worth uh, going. So, I, I mean, I did, I was lucky enough to do a bit of travel 15, 15 years ago, and um, I, I, you know, the world is littered with disappointing monuments, i.e. the Leaning Tower of Pisa, you go, yep. Uh, and I've got to say, 
read, um, and I'm sure you won't be offended by this, the, the most undersized, disappointing monument I've ever seen was the Statue of Liberty. I don't know. Oh, what... you need to see it in Paris and you'll be even less impressed? Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I just, I don't know what it was. I assume it's because during the 80s, 90s and first 10 years of 2000, uh, that, yeah, by 2000, I'd seen all those movies where you see those really wide arcing chopper shots going around the Statue of uh, Liberty, yeah. and I always imagined it this, as a, this enormous monument. And I remember ca- we, uh, we caught the Staten Island Ferry and I went, surely that's not it. Oh, good. So you didn't pay the ticket. No, I didn't pay the ticket. It was actually closed, I think, at the time. This was, uh, this was actually three weeks before September 11. Um, wow. we, we didn't go to the World Trade Centre either. Um, so, yeah, very disappointed. But the pyramids, I've got to say, the first time uh, when we... Um, got off there at Giza and walked up to the pyramids, that was the one thing I can say, holy shit, they are big. I'm trying to, well, uh, standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon was my... Yeah, I can imagine that's amazing. That one blew my mind for sure. I was actually very underwhelmed by Mount Rushmore as well, you know, the four presidents carved into the side of the mountain. When I showed up there, I was like, wait a second. That's a lot closer than it looked like in the pictures, and it doesn't look much bigger. Yeah, so that's a good point. So it'd probably be like, yeah, four statues of liberties, except closer. Uh, to be honest, I think the although it's not completed, I I think the uh, the um, the carving of Crazy Horse that's still a, a bit of an ongoing thing I think uh, in Atlanta that, Georgia right yeah I think that would be pretty damn impressive I've seen that one it's actually quite quite nice and it's I mean even without the um the carving on the side of it that just giant rock that just sticks up out of the flatland is actually really cool looking too cool I knew Uluru's the other one that I thought okay that's about as big as I thought it'd be um yeah, well, that doesn't. The, the good thing about um, Uluru or Ayers Rock uh, doesn't uh, doesn't suffer from anything else really near it. <laughs> near it. No. So it's it's amazing how big big things can look when there's no other big things around them. That's right. Context. Yes, and Eiffel Tower too. Eiffel Tower was as big as I thought, but yeah, nothing comes close to the pyramids that I've seen at least. And I could, although the Grand Canyon would totally dwarf it to say the least, but. I enjoyed the Eiffel Tower quite a bit, although when I went to the top, I couldn't go all the way to the top because it was frozen. Oh, nice. gets really, really cold in Paris. It, it does. Uh, we, when I was very young, before we emigrated, and we ended up going to, um, to Paris in, I can't remember when it was now. 1884? Yes, yeah, somewhere around there. You prick. And, uh, oh, so you just finished serving in the Civil War in America. Yeah. I see, I see. Yes, yes. Um, we lost, but never mind. <laughs> You're quite the world traveler. Yes. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we could only get up to the second level as, was it the second or third level? But we couldn't go all the way to the top. But I think you actually had to climb stairs to get all the way to the top, but I think there's actually an elevator there. Yeah, that's my understanding. Well, the elevator like runs on a diagonal is really strange. Yeah, but well, then it I, runs up the legs, and there's people yeah. with accordions in there who really should be bludgeoned to death with the accordion. That's about the only thing that's good <laughs> to get the player. I have a long history of not climbing monuments, so I, I didn't climb Uluru out of respect to the culture, but I didn't climb 
uh, or go up the lift for the Eiffel Tower because A, the lines were too long and B, me and some other Kentucky tour uh, friends decided to go and find the tunnel where Diana had died because that had happened about three weeks previously. Ooh, okay. So we, we, really, I mean, we were really into the culture. Uh, <laughs> the yeah, just think a place seems to, seems to presage some form of disaster or tragedy. Yeah, before or after, yeah. And, I, and I, yeah. luckily I had my silver tray in pants. Like I was determined to get some mints on that tray but couldn't find the right tunnel. <laughs> Actually, Turns out Paris is in the middle of the country, not near the water, but, you know. That's right. <laughs> um, the actually the the bridge that or the the tunnel that um, <clears throat> the Queen of Hearts um, <laughs> died in did did I put enough scorn into Is that? that? What she tried. Called? Oh, that's that's what she tried to get herself called. You know, the, the of Queen of Hearts and Alice in Wonderland was not a nice person. Oh, I just think oh, of the juice. Your heads. That's right. and, and Diana wasn't that bright. But anyway, moving on. Um, the the tunnel that the accident occurred in actually has one because there's I think there's three statues of liberties and the two um, there's two miniatures, and I think one of them is actually uh, above or near to that tunnel because I seem to recall that being became sort of a a default uh, shrine after the accident where people, a focal point for people to lay flowers. Uh, well, so the uh, Statue of Liberty in France is in the middle of the Seine. It's yeah. on a tiny little island in the Seine, so it could have easily been a tunnel going underneath that river. No, no, there's there's that one, but there's another one as well. There's, there's, there's a, I think that there's three of them, and there's another one as well, but it's oh, a really? small one again. All right, listen, you know, things are really cool when they're unique. Quit making the same thing over and over again. Yeah, exactly. Hey, look, you, if, in order to get to the perfection, which is the one that they sent to New York, uh, they had to practice first. A bit, like, a bit like civil wars and republics. They, they needed to do it multiple times in order to get something that actually didn't keep falling over. That's just French. Yeah, that's true. Kind of like their republic. Yeah, what are they? They're up to the fifth one now, aren't they? Current one's the so. republic, yeah. Yeah. See, we, we really are erudite when you think about it. <laughs> I'm saying that with utmost confidence. <laughs> uh, Googling no. erudite. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, um, I, I think we may as well – there's no segue to this at all. So why don't we, <laughs> why don't we talk about Marvel Star Wars comics? Well, that's... Uh, the, the ones that they're, they're bridging, uh, you know, the – what are they calling it? The, the – the um, the lead up to the Force Awakens. Force Awakens. Oh, Star Wars Journey to the Force Awakens. Yeah, look, it's it's so interesting now that um, obviously Disney owned both Marvel and and Lucas that they're they're going to pump the crap out of it. So uh, there's going to be something like I don't have it in front of me. Was it eighteen? Twenty. Twenty. But I, I, th I think at least one of those is a sticker book, so I'm not sure if we should really count it. Yeah, so 20 uh, – it's more – it's not 20 titles, but nor is it 20 issues. So I'm guessing there'll be a couple of miniseries and there'll be whatever it is um, to bridge, yeah, from the end of Episode 6 so that, you know, those of us that might go and see Episode 7 – although I don't think anyone here is going to go and see it, are we? Yeah, I thought so. so. I no. mean, I was going to try and – Pretend like I wouldn't, but are you kidding me? Yeah, I'll be I there know. midnight yeah, showing, so right? Will I. So 
Um, I, I think it'll be it'll be interesting. I, I don't see them as a must buy though. I can't. I mean, I'm a comic collector, as has been is well known. So I'll be buying them no matter what. But as a Star Wars fan, I don't think they'd be compulsory. Like, surely the movie's going to have an initial period where they sort of build the backstory between six and seven. Well, it's fascinating because what they're doing, it seems to me anyway, we've seen them take the Marvel brand. You know, Disney purchased Marvel a few years back, and I think the first movie that was actually produced by them was actually The Avengers, not The Standalones. Is that right? Wholly by the Disney-owned subsidiary? Yeah, I think, I'm just trying to think. Or was the Captain America movies first? It wasn't Iron sure. Man. Was Marvel still independent when the, the first Iron Man was done? Yeah, I'm, not sure. I'm pretty sure, yeah. yeah. I think it was actually still independent when the second one was done. But anyway, it's, it's, it's fascinating to see them take Marvel, which was always kind of a geek culture fringe um, brand. And they, you know, we've always tried to make some good comic book movies from year to year to year, but they were always campy or there was problems this way or that. And then. Disney picks up the Marvel brand and all of a sudden they just start putting out serious quality yeah. and they took the comic series and they're integrating that into the movie series and now they've got the television series that supplements this the the movies as well or is at least directly impacted by the movies you know um, Winter Soldier directly changing the direction of what Shield yes uh, Agents of Shield was doing you know and now they've got Agent Carter which by all accounts, I haven't gotten to watch it yet, but by all accounts, is a phenomenal, you know, original Captain America timepiece with a very strong female actress. So it's cool to see them basically go from the comic books to the silver screen and have done this really, really well. And it looks like they're kind of trying to recreate that with Star Wars in reverse, where they're taking the established canon of the trilogy and, okay, yes, the Clone Wars television show too, and then they're kind of going down to the comic books but still trying to have the same massive cohesive story telling the same thing across all of it and i love it you know and and at the same time i think star wars itself is actually much more mainstream than marvel was before they started with that so they're gonna they're gonna be making bonkers amounts of money it's ridiculous well the original the original star wars comics they released just in the last three or four months i mean there were over a million i think it was over a million pre-orders for star wars number one um, and the quality's high, so I can't. I don't think I mentioned on this podcast, but I mean, I read Star Wars and Darth Vader, and I've uh, I've got Princess Leia on my pull list, but I haven't seen the first issue yet. Um, the Darth Vader comic and Star Wars comic are just top notch, and so they're set after Episode uh, Four, so they're, they're initially after the Death Star's blown up, um, and they're just gold, absolutely gold. Well, that's where I think it's going to be interesting to see what they do with this uh, the the prelude series, the journey to Star Wars: The Force Awakens. The promotional post that they've got, which doesn't really give you much, just what the the series is called. Uh, the text is an all new Marvel, all new Marvel comic se- event series, uh, and September twenty fifteen, which is when uh, presumably it, it all starts getting pushed out. But the artworks, the interesting thing, it sort of harks back to. Uh, some of the early posters, and it's have have any you guys seen it at all? No, I haven't seen the actual promo poster, but I'm encouraged by your description. Well, it's 
it's basically the uh, the celebration scene from um, Return of the Jedi. Oh, I have seen that. Oh, ah, okay. Yeah, 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 it's really so, well done. So you've got uh, you got Chewie, Han, Leia, Luke, um, Lando for some reason who wasn't there, but what the hell? <laughs> Wicked. And, and some uh, yeah, there's there's three Ewoks in the foreground, and uh, and the droids. Um, no sign of Hayden Christensen or Lumpy. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> Lump, Lump, Lumpy could look looks very much like an Ewok. Yeah, so one, one of the three foreground characters could possibly be Lumpy. Oh, sorry about that. Couldn't resist. No, no, you you really need to get some medication. <laughs> Maybe a nice topical cream. Yes. He's very tired. And some deodorant. I stop you just I stop inhaling it. <laughs> so, but don't eat so, that. Sorry. Stop chewing the end. Uh, But the artwork just makes me wonder why why they are necessarily using that. Is that just because that's the last thing from the previous movies and they just want to refresh that in people's minds? My guess is because they're aiming so mainstream that they're they're making it really obvious – where they're starting things, particularly for those younger than us. So the, the people that grew up on episode one, two and three, poor buggers, um, it's really reinforcing to them this is not set around then, it's after episode six. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it seems like with the Star Wars Rebels television series, they're trying very hard to re- maintain a connection to those people that were first introduced to Star Wars with the prequels or afterwards. And with all the hype around Episode 7, they're trying to pay a lot more attention to the original trilogy group. And even the spoilers that you hear about how J.J. Abrams was doing the filming and, oh, he's not using as much CGI and, oh, he's using a lot of more actual, you know, physical effects and whatnot and makeup and whatever. And it's going to be so much more, you know, and let's be honest, J.J. Abrams is going to use the CGI that's necessary and he's probably just going to put a feel back into it rather than the clean, polished, untarnished universe that was the prequels that's going to go back to a um, universe in disrepair. Yeah. Yeah, that was one of the um, – if you're casting my mind back, way back, but that was one of the things about uh, the original Star Wars movie that was that was charming and which was definitely lost in the prequels because before that, the the other big science fiction film before Star Wars would have been 2001 A Space Odyssey. And that was – everything was very clean and everything. Yeah. White, whiter than whites. Everything was absolutely spot- yeah, it was immaculate. And it's actually more sterile than clean even. Mm. Yeah, which actually sort of went with the, just the general feel and vibe of the movie. But the, you know, uh, having a basically an old Harrison Ford having the, the old van that he had to sort of whack to, uh, to get it to work properly and just a grungy, dirty, lived-in universe. It's, it's easy to forget or never have been aware of, but that was actually quite revolutionary because yeah. science fiction was all shiny, shiny knobs and clean surfaces. And this was a lived in grungy world that we were introduced to. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I think, I, I don't know about you guys, but I'll be buying them. And, and anyone that hasn't got into the latest Star Wars comics, at least the trade paperbacks when they come out are going to be uh, a must have, I'd argue. 
Yeah, well, and the three that have the three novels that have come out too, they've taken an interesting direction with those because you've got, you know, basically the introduction to the core characters, original crew of the ghost from Star Wars Rebels, and then you've got a character study on Tarkin, and now they've just come out with the one it connects. I think it's between Episode Four and Five, and it's uh, first person storytelling from Luke. Ah. Which I'm actually really curious because someone, I can't, I wish I knew who it was, but I remember somebody mentioning back in the day and it really struck me. How did Luke go from being, you know, a dude running around on a Death Star, watching his master fall over and barely being able to deflect blaster bolts to at the beginning of episode um, five, he's pulling a lightsaber out of the snow and snatching it into his hand and fighting a wampa. Yeah. You know, we he had never demonstrated telekinesis until the beginning of the second movie. So it's actually going to be kind of cool. How does he teach himself? Where does he get this education? Because clearly it seems like he doesn't really talk with Obi-Wan until he's flying away from Hoth. But then again, maybe he did and he wasn't that surprised to hear from his old buddy, you know? <laughs> well, but, but that's the thing, though. Yes, uh, he actually sees man- manifestations in the second movie, but in the first movie... Uh, he hears Obi-Wan's voice as That's he true. down the trench. So uh, perhaps he did use the force, up. Luke. Yeah. So perhaps perhaps he did get some form of guidance, um, like Audible over 100,000 title. But no, that joke's not going <laughs> Too early, too early. <laughs> but, yes. uh, but yeah, it's it's quite possible that he, he did. I mean, this is what fans do, though, is the, they uh, use um, copious speculation to to uh, sort of stucco over all of the cracks. I'm but I don't, th- I don't think that's too big a reach that he he did get some form of some form of uh, sporadic guidance, we all, especially, especially if he was in a meditative state. It would be much easier to pick up on that sort of yeah. stuff. And we already know that he sliced off Darth Vader's arm between Episode Four and Five. Um, I'm just looking up. The classic Splinter of the Mind's Eye Wikipedia entry. Ah, yes, yes. Well, that that was the that was the first piece of uh, expanded uh, universe. Expanded, yeah. That was pretty much second. Isn't that that was that was legend before there was legend? I love that book so much. I need to reread it. Pretty sure that's where they introduced Kyber Crystal, which has been canonized now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The expanded universe is uh, is sort of uh, one of those. fill your own bag lolly shops or candy shops but you you know you you may or may not actually put candy in a bag and buy it but you you're damn certain to try all the int- taste all the interesting bits it's fun to run down the rabbit hole yes i think i think that's why the well a lot of people were disappointed that dark horse comics ran you know lost track of yeah. the the comic licensing agreement that particularly because they were such good stewards of the brand and and heck they even actually saved the comic book um Star Wars universe yeah. it would have completely floundered under Marvel before Dark Horse so it's ironic to be returning to Marvel but I think that Marvel's actually in much better hands now and will uh and also they're bringing some of the same artists um I don't I don't know if you know but I've had the chance to get to know Dave Dorman and he was one of the artists that got to do episode one artwork 
for the comic books. And he was really excited to continue to stick with Star Wars because he was working for Dark Horse before. And Marvel said, no, we still want you around. So it looks like they're doing a really good job of bringing talent along with the licensing agreements in order to continue a good tradition of, of Star Wars storytelling. Absolutely. So. Well, it's, yeah, it is a, it's an absolute revitalization, isn't it? And let's face it, Marvel, the Marvel we have now, um, isn't the Marvel that sold off the rights to uh, Spider-Man and the no. X and so forth. I mean, that company basically was floundering and staggering from one disaster to another. They really had not got a clue. And fortunately, Disney, and I, there's not a lot of instances I'd say this, but fortunately, Disney's clout is um, probably one of the few positives where that kind of corporate uh, power and resource can be applied to something positive and just get this ship back in order. Yeah. And also probably it's worth saying here, I want to be one of, we want to be the first podcast to sort of give our condolences on the death of Stan Lee. That's good. I don't have to go a minute of silence, hey, just a couple of seconds is fine. He's dead? No, but I just wanted to be the first podcast. I was going to say. <laughs> no, I, was I hope he's a little confused. I'm like, I was like, well, and then it was silent. So maybe I'll just give him a moment yeah. of silence in case it's true. No, I hope he goes on another 10 years. But, you know, it's. It and does a cameo in every Marvel movie yeah. ever. Oh, I wonder if it wouldn't be great if they gave him a cameo in the Star Wars movies. Now, that'd be good. Yeah, you could play Yoda. Yeah. <laughs> you know, okay, so what do you guys think of Easter eggs? Because, frankly, I have no problem if they have some kind of Disney Easter egg in a Star Wars movie. If they can get a Jar Jar head somewhere, even if it's a bobblehead in the background shot of some bar or something, I, I think that would be cool. A bobblehead on a pike? Yeah. No. No, David. <laughs> no. <laughs> I love these. I mean, I love the Stanley. The, the Marvel movies, as good as they are, I, I still love trying to pick Stan out in each one. I think they, they can be done well, but you can risk, you know, making a joke out of it too much. Well, uh, you've actually reminded me. It's pro I think it's worth pointing out that uh, Terry Pratchett uh, passed away. Yeah, that's uh, good point. So that's which is a, a real, a real shame. Yeah, um, if uh, if people out there don't know who Terry Pratchett is. Uh, I highly recommend you Google him and have a look at uh, some of his, well, some of his his many many uh, novels, primarily the the Discworld ones, but there's a Bad Omens and a few others as well that are, are well worth looking at. Uh, it's it is very English humour. The observations are, are very dry, but it's well worth looking at, and uh, it's just wonderful how he manages to or how he managed to make such a bit like the original Star Trek uh, did in taking the modern world and its absurdities, lifting them free of those constraints and dropping them into uh, an alternate universe and just shining such a, a brilliant but funny light. Mm. They're, they're wonderful books. They're not long, well worth having a look at. So, yes, please do that. I'm sure his estate doesn't need the money, no. but... It's a, for your own sake, it's well worth a look. I need to read some. I'm ashamed to admit I think I've read one maximum and I couldn't tell you what that one was. Well, it's terribly impressive. Yeah. <laughs> well, and he, he had a wonderful beard too. I mean, he did. you got to give the man credit. Oh, yes, full and lustrous. And speaking of lustrous, 
<laughs> the Apple Watch. Oh God. Have have they gone mad? Okay, so first I got to ask you: Do you guys have Apple phones? Yes. Um, I had a th- I have a three GS. I moved to Android. Well, <laughs> when the iPhone four came out, I suppose basically uh, <laughs> I, do, I do have some some a couple of Mac computers, but uh, I also am uh, a, a Windows gamer. So yeah, uh, I'm kind of agnostic. Why did you ask? I'm just curious because it can only be used with an iPhone. So yeah, see, I've done zero. So I, as opposed to Simon, I've been a pretty much dedicated Apple user since 1993, but not in a fanboy way. I hate the fanboy shit that goes around Apple. The Apple Watch has not interested me in the least. I haven't even seen more than a couple of screenshots or web pages that have shown it. I haven't even looked into what it can do, how it works. I know nothing about it. Well, that's okay, but that's pretty much the same level that most most users and Apple themselves seem to have. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people seem to be quite keen on on getting one. Uh, there was a, a survey done recently to find out what the level of interest was, and uh, over 50% of people said, yeah, they were interested in getting one, and that included people who didn't currently own an iPhone. And how much are they? Well, they've... What three fifty to seventeen thousand dollars American? Yeah, that's it. So that's the right three fifty three hundred fifty two seventy thousand. What the hell? What are the options that are getting you? You paying seventeen thousand for? Uh, that it's would the be exact same watch internals, yeah. Internally, oh, of course, from but, start to finish. Yeah, okay. But then you know, one's gold and one's yeah. I'm with you. Yeah, plastic. Although it's interesting, that eighteen carat gold watch um, actually has less gold in it than other 18 karat gold watches does, does this have to do with I, I can't like something to do with the way that they brushed it and condensed the gold and it's some kind of i don't know magic super gold or whatever well it, it really it, what it, and I, i'm no expert on this by any means but uh, basically what it comes down to is gold is utterly useless unless you mix it with something else no yeah. normal well, because it's too pliable. Yeah, that's it's, right. That's too soft, exactly. Um, it's very pretty, but it, it scratches and it bends. Um, so what they do, usually they'll mix it with something like silver. Scratches and bends. So kind of like the 6 Plus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, they, so, but instead of mixing it with silver, what they, Apple are doing is they're mixing it with um, a space age. Do we still use that phrase? It's, an, an advanced ceramic. Jobs, Jobsium or something, isn't it? Isn't it just made out of bits of Steve Jobs in an industrial mincer? Sorry, keep going. That's really going to be your running <laughs> Yeah, just for this episode, I promise. Yeah. Okay. What did you have for dinner, by the way? <laughs> what did I have for dinner? You know, see, this is a sad thing back then. I can't even remember what I had for dinner. Oh, I had, you know what? I had Indian food. It was lovely too. Any mints in it? No, no, all chicken tonight. <laughs> At least that's what they told him. Yeah, that's right. Sorry, keep going. So they're mixing it with silver. Yeah, but it's I, it's the way, the yeah. Instead of mixing it with silver, which is obviously a metal and heavier, they're mixing it with this uh, this advanced ceramic, which make, means it's lighter. But because the way carrot is worked out, it's it's got something to do with uh, 
vol the volume or overall weight or mass or something along those lines. It's it's not an absolute. So if the material that's being mixed with is lighter, then the you don't need as put, to put as much gold into it to come up with 18 karat because it, it's lighter. So you one thing's weighs less, so you need less gold. But the uh, the percentages between the the uh, the ceramic and the gold will still be the same as it would be in something where it was being mixed with something heavier. If that kind of makes sense. Basically, there's less gold. That's all. Yeah. It <laughs> which doesn't surprise me in the least. It's all about the margin, isn't it? Well, it it sounds like they're being a bit shonky, but I mean, technically speaking, it's it's okay. But it's not like you can you can go out and melt it down and fill your teeth or whatever the hell it is people do with gold these days. And the other thing, of course, is it's going to be completely obsolete or out of date after... What, 12 months, 12 18 months. months, yeah. I mean, how long was the, the original iPhone current for before that got... Or the original iPad, well, they became totally obsolete by the... I this, don't know how completely and totally obsolete it's going to really be, but, I mean, you got to remember they launched the original iPhone without an app store. Yeah, true. I mean, there were a lot of things that software-wise, they just launched it without it because they didn't know what the customers were going to even really particularly want. So hopefully they've at least put in enough lifespan for this thing that it's going to survive a couple iterations of the software. Mm, you'd hope so. Is it mm. is it waterproof? I assume, again, it depends on the casing it's in. Uh, it's... It, it's it's got the same level of waterproofing as uh, as similar devices, so that it's so you can you can drop it into a sink of water, okay, but you certainly wouldn't want to go diving yeah. with it. Okay, cool. So because the thing for me, the only reason I'm going to buy an Apple Watch is if it can replace my Fitbit in a really substantive way. So I do lots of walking. I love my Fitbit to track my steps and all that sort of stuff. If the watch can do that better. And the Fitbit, you can't really put it near much water at all. If I, so, anyway, that'd be the the in for for me. But I just can't see why you'd want one. Well, that's the thing about wearables at the moment. It's still very much of a, a an iffy area. It's it's, it's evolving. Yeah. What? I don't know. I don't know. This this conversation reminds me so much of exactly what was happening before the Apple iPhone. You know, it yeah, was okay. Well, these yeah, corporate right. individuals. Why do you need it? These court. You know, the CrackBerry, and then Apple comes out with it, and then it's oh, the greatest invention in the world. It's not yeah. crack. It's not ruining civilization. It's a good thing. That's right. Awesome. So, but there's an important. I mean, I might not be able to see the use case, but I see that there's a huge opportunity, and people always talk about some kind of watch that does something. I mean. There has been this fascination since Dick Tracy, and I've heard the argument that, well, yeah, but maybe that's just a 1950s notion that nobody actually really wants. I don't know. I think people want it. And if Steve Jobs were still around, I would say that this watch would probably be completely awesome. I think this is actually a moment for us to find out if Apple yes. still has any of its magic. Because if they do, I think they'll give us something that is actually truly worthwhile. Or it'll be I the next Newton. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the thing, the, there is a distinction though, because if you think back to the iPhone, I mean, I I had to use uh, Windows Mobile Seven or whatever the hell it was, and you needed the stylus, and you had the little tappy 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 on your your, your crappy uh, resistive screen. Yeah, but then the irony is, at the same time too, the the stylus is coming back in full force with the with the Samsung Notes. People yeah. love having that stylus available. Yeah. To them, so. 
that that Samsung for you. I mean, Steve Jobs' philosophy was if you need a stylus, you're not doing it right. But the, the point I was going to make was that uh, the iPhone and the iPad both took existing products but made them good. What was, what was out before uh, the iPhone was not good. It, it absolutely revolutionized the way everybody made these things because they, they took something and they just made it work. The same with the tablet. That was, that was going nowhere. Microsoft had been thrashing away at, at, at tablets for ages. Could not, had the concept but couldn't get it into something that people wanted to use. Apple did that. The Apple Watch does not have that same level of a revolution to it because it doesn't actually do anything any different to any of the existing wearable bot, uh, products. And in fact, its battery life is considerably worse than most of them, including the Moto 360. And if the battery life is, is absolutely key to something like oh, this. Oh, God, yeah. It, I, I don't understand why. I mean, they've managed to make the thing a, a thick little bugger. And yeah, it's, it's funny it's how Apple, no matter how much money they throw at it, still can't defeat the laws of physics. That's right. Well, that's one of the interesting things. Was is that HTC? It might be HTC um, uh, bringing out their new wearable. But what they've done is they've integrated um, some of the battery and functionality into the wristband itself, which you can snap on and off easily. They they've actually that looks more. What they've done actually looks and sounds more like an Apple product. Actually, it might be Pebble. Um, but whoever's doing it, yes, Pebble, I think. Uh, well, Pebble's doing the um, color e-ink. Yes. Which is pretty wicked. And then, um, so you can actually have, and they've been really bringing down the resolution, or up the resolution, I guess, to down the pixel yeah. size. I don't know. I, Pebble actually has always intrigued me more, but I've never had a chance to see one. But Well, it's probably a good time to have a look at what they're they're introducing now, because that looks like them but what they're producing now looks to be uh more the sort of thing you would have expected apple to come up with and apple hasn't apple has come up with a hockey puck on your wrist mm. a square hockey puck which is even less useful yeah i uh, mean it, to be frank it well you know and i've heard good arguments for the fact that why not make it you know our wrist is wider than a circle you know why not create something that's actually perhaps closer to the but then you'd have to size for different people's That's wrist right. sizes and everything and it just makes it so much more challenging but you know the counter argument being then you'd have a larger surface area under which you could put a battery in order to make the thing last longer hmm. i um if, if you want to see how not to execute an idea like that i suggest you go to will i am's uh web page oh god look at his the, the i can't remember what it's called but it, it basically looks like um it looks like a yeah. piece of a manacle yeah it's uh, terrible yeah, it's some very bad write-ups. Uh, it's it's great that there's so many people out there pitching their ideas, but but let's face well, it. Well, you know what we actually need, and they've been slowly expanding on the technology, is that they need to further this flexible screen technology and then put that onto a watch so that you don't actually need to size it. It can actually bend yeah. around your wrist appropriately. Exactly. I just wonder if it's about five years too late as far as society's moved on from watch wearing unless you're over 65 and have a pocket knife on your belt. So, like, how many young people wear watches now? Well, very few because everyone they uses their, their phone. phone. That's but right. 
it's it's a it's an extension of your phone. I can I can see it working. I can see people wearing them. Um, but it's a uh, it's hard to say because do you remember the uh, Swatch watches? Yeah. Oh yeah. Gotcha. Red. You uh, Yeah. Yeah. Not yeah. The cheap plastic ones that were totally popular and overpriced. Yes. Yeah, but they were they were fashionable. They were all sorts of colors, all sorts of shapes, all sorts of designs, and the the dying watch industry was reinvigorated. Yeah, true. By bringing out the these these cheap fashion items, uh, you know, cheap compared to actual watches. Yeah. So this might just be another one of one of these phases. Yeah, true. A, a new functionality, new appeal. Having some, hanging something on your watch rather than having something sagging in your back pocket that you've got to keep pulling out every time it buzzes or burps at you. Uh, I, no, I, I can see it catching on. Yeah, it's just I, by implementation. You know, I, whether or not we're five years past, the, I think we're five years past the point where pretty much there's a clock within eyesight, no matter which direction you look, not including your phone. You know, everywhere you go, there's somewhere that you can see what time it is. So you need to have a little bit more information. Honestly, I personally get really irritated when I have to pull out my phone in certain circumstances. You know, say I'm out yeah, and I'm, I'm vacuuming and I have to stop, turn off the vacuum, pull out my phone, look at it or whatever. You know, whereas if I could just look at my watch, because I, I always have earbuds in. I'm always walking around with headphones on because I'm listening to podcasts or whatever. If I could look at my watch rather than have to pull my phone out of my pocket, yeah, good I point. like that idea. You've convinced me. Plus, I, from a sentimental viewpoint, I love the idea of watches becoming more popular again, just like I'd love to see letter writing become more popular. But unlike letter writing, I think this might happen with the watch. Yeah, letter writing. But see, I, I'm, I'm the guy, quite honestly, as bizarre as this is given what we're doing right now, I'd happily have the internet disappear tomorrow as long as it disappeared for everyone. I don't want to be missing out if other people have got access, but if it disappeared tomorrow overall, I think society would be better off or not. God, you're old. Yeah, I know. Mm. See, that could be another... That, I hate the internet. That could be another episode. Well, another episode could be we've got no well, idea I think, how we're doing. I think it's a good extension of your show title. You know, you hate the internet because you hate people and the internet makes it too easy to talk to other That's people. That's true. Too bloody right. Oh, more importantly, it makes it too easy to listen to those people you hate. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So why are we here again? In that case, we should probably wind the show up, I would say. <laughs> that's right. like a pretty good note for it. <laughs> I think we were at the fact that I think Apple has an excellent opportunity. I think that there is actually a desire, even in the public consciousness, to have a good watch. Yeah. I have no idea if Apple's got has got the solution. And frankly, I do think... Even the Pebble watch is at least closer because it lasts days. It now has a color face, and it works cross-platform. I don't have an Apple phone, so I certainly won't be getting this watch. No. Well, my opinion is their new headquarters is going to be an enormous ring, uh, which, as far as I'm concerned, is a metaphorical sphincter, which just represents Apple disappearing in its own up its own ass. So there we go. That's all I have to say about that. Nice. Okay, so here's my question. First of all, what kind of giant monuments do you have in Australia? You know, we started with Egypt and yeah, you know, so all Uluru, this. Uluru, and then we have oh god, we could we could inflict all sorts of like, there's the well, big I mean, banana. aside from uh, Great Barrier Reef, yeah, no, there's the big banana, there's the big potato. Come on, Simon, help me but, here. But we we don't actually have any. <laughs> Any oh, uh, official great monuments? Opera House. Oh, okay, the Sydney Opera House. I'll give yeah. you that one. It's Sydney a Harbour Bridge. 
It's a building, not a monument. It's an icon. So is the pyramid? Yeah, pyramids. Yeah, it's a building as well. Mm, no, the pyramid's not a building. So is the Eiffel Tower. Um, it's a. Well, it, dep it depends on the definition of a building. It's a restaurant. The yeah. big, big enclosed section on the bottom portion of it is dining areas. It's a restaurant. It's just got some frill, good right. facade. Okay, so that's a building. But as far uh, as iconic ones in Australia, really, there's only the Opera House, Sydney Harbour, Harbour Bridge. I'm trying to think, would, what would be the iconic Melbourne? Um, oh, there's not really an iconic well, Melbourne building. I mean, M MCG, I'd say. Flinders Street or the MCG, probably. Yeah. I mean, the MCG holds what, over 100,000 people. Yeah, yeah, so it's a great. It's a, it's yeah. a pretty big stadium. Yeah. And then okay. Adelaide, Brisbane, Perth, nothing. Oh, Canberra's obviously got Parliament House. Um, that's about it, really. It just seems to me like, why why are we as human beings not building things on such a monolithic scale? They're going to last for thousands of years. I mean, let's be honest. The Egyptian empire was longer than it has been since uh, the common era began. I think that's what they're calling it now. Hmm. No, BC. Yeah. BC, uh, Anno Domini. I'm we just hit, Thank you. <laughs> we, we just hit the year 2000. The Egyptian civilization was going longer than 2,000 years. I mean, wow. Mm hmm and yet we don't have anything that has a prayer of standing as long as those freaking oh, pyramids have been up. You haven't seen the big merino at Goulburn. <laughs> that sounds like a joke, so I'm going to laugh. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> mostly out of derision. Yes. I, haven't, I haven't seen it, you're right. No, Australia has, and I'm sure the US has the same thing. Australia has this obsession with certain towns to, to get themselves on the map, have what they call a big something and there are there's a big banana at Coffs mm. Harbour, big marina at Goulburn. I can't think of a bunch of the others, but that's all we got. We got nothing. I don't know. I've seen your spiders and snakes and everything else. Those terrify me. I see spiders eating snakes. Yeah. Snakes <laughs> eating alligators. Yeah. It's like holy moly. Yeah. And that's that's just in the cities. So you get out in the country and it's even worse. Yeah. We just finished fire snake season. <laughs> Wow. Speaking you of which, I need to go soon. I've got to feed my kangaroo. I'm <laughs> hoping that's not a euphemism. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll call that a show on that somewhat uh, disgusting note. Thank you very, very much, everyone, for listening. And thank you very much, Red, for, for joining us. For I'm not quite sure what the hell this was, but thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. I hate you guys too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, if you uh, want to listen to, I haven't got the end notes for this, but never mind. We'll just roll on with it. Uh, if you'd like to listen to other episodes of this podcast, uh, all you have to do is go to creativeshed.com. Yep. Uh, or you can uh, tweet on by going to, uh, what is it, at Creative Shed? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Creative yep. Shed, yep. Or just uh, email us at contact at oceanicgamer.com with your complaints um, and uh, incorrectly addressed emails trying to order groceries from Coles or, or whatever it is you people do. I don't know. But that's the show. Thanks very much, and we will see you next time. Watch out for industrial minces. <laughs> <laughs>